the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway on this Wednesday edition. Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. And that includes right here on YouTube. If you're watching live, you can join us uh, in the chat. And we hope you'll subscribe to the channel as you're watching. Search out Outkick if you're not there yet. And you can check out all the shows live or on demand. And, uh, of course, give us that thumbs-up like button as well. Jam-packed show. Dan Dockich comes up in about 20 minutes from right now. Host of Don't At Me right here mornings on Outkick. Clay Travis, the fearless leader, president of Outkick. He joins us in hour number two. Always a great chat there uh, with our good friend. And then we have Armando Salguero on the eve of his vacation. He joins us as OTAs and mini camps wrapping up across the National Football League. The very latest with the visit that's taking place today for DeAndre Hopkins in New England with the Patriots, plus Dalvin Cook, where he could end up. All of a sudden, Stephon Diggs is present and practicing with the Buffalo Bills a day after not being present, although his agent said he was. Very confusing. Armando gives us the very latest there. Chad, good afternoon. Hutton, good afternoon. Is it Wednesday? It's Wednesday. Primary complaint coming up It's today. Wednesday. That's how so I that, judge the day. That days. means primary complaint. Yeah. Um, it's one of those weeks, man. You know, one of those weeks where you just walk into it, you don't know what day it is. Yep. Every day is like the last. I feel like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. I'm probably going to go home tonight. Head and on throw a swivel, a, Chad. I'm gonna throw Head a, on a swivel. I'm going to get into a nice warm bath and throw a toaster into it like Bill Murray does in that movie and just see if I wake I up tomorrow. I feel like we're, we're sparring well, though, through the week. Yeah, you know. When you got softball every night, too, <laughs> it makes for a long day. Like, I, I ate yeah, your dinner. Your real job. Chad's... Chad's full-time job is softball. Full disclosure, as uh, you know, just a hobby here. Full-time dad over here on on Dad (laughs) Island. I am normally consuming dinner around five thirty in the afternoon, in the evening, every day. I ate dinner last night at nine forty-seven p.m. after a softball doubleheader because I went right from this show. To the ballpark. I'll get into that in primary complaint, by the way. Mm. There's a nice tease for you. Matt Dad at it out there. Straight to the ballpark, straight back home. First time I ate anything at 947. I'm not European. In Europe, this is very common to eat dinner that late. This really threw off my biological clock eating that late. I didn't get to bed till after midnight, <laughs> which is super late for me during no the week. after 8 o'clock. So it's all really running together tonight, and I'm leaving straight from here to go coach a softball practice after this. So I don't know what day it is. Don't care. I know that we're going to bang hats today. I know that I'm pissed off for greatness. I know it's going to be Let a hell of a show. I know the YouTube chat is already fired up. Big thanks to David for popping in and saying I'm the first one in the YouTube chat yet again. I told this man if he comes a sixth and Peabody, drinks will be on us because he is the first one in there every day. We appreciate our audience out Absolutely. there. Absolutely, Smash the like button on YouTube and let's get after it today. And here on Flag Day, let us know which country you're chatting from today it's flag in day? the YouTube chat. We don't get off work for Flag Day? No. What is it, uh, Step Brothers, when he asks off for Columbus Day in the job interview? And he says, that's a very important holiday for us. What's your Columbus Day policy? I, I thought we got off for Flag Day. Apparently not. Uh, Jay Monahan's getting off for a medical situation uh, from the PGA Tour. The board is uh, accepting his medical leave on the uh, eve of the U.S. Open out in Los Angeles, Los Angeles Country Club. Um, first off, let us uh, start by saying I hope everything is fine medically, uh, health-wise, with Jay Monahan. Um, this has the feel of the excuse as to why he's not at the U.S. Open. Let me just, uh, that's my first reaction to it, just being honest, because they're not disclosing what's going on. Again, I hope everything's fine. 
Uh, but if it is, I'm still going to point out the fact that, well, there's a lot of controversy going into the U.S. Open with players that don't like the guy, they don't trust the guy, the head of the PGA Tour, and all of a sudden, after doing a couple of interviews, CNBC, uh, Golf Channel, and maybe one other, all of a sudden, uh, medically, he's on uh, a, a health issue, has him on medical leave. Uh, Chad, this has the vibe of Urban Meyer at Florida. With all of it, you know, the roster wasn't up to par to where it was, and you know, within a, a matter of a season, all of a sudden, he's the head coach at Ohio State. I'm not saying J Jay Monahan is automatically getting another gig somewhere, but you have two people now filling in for him that are stepping up and handling the day-to-day -day operations of the PGA Tour, and specifically this week at the U.S. Open. And uh, by and large, they're not going to handle any of the criticism or uh, discussion about the merger slash partnership slash unification with Liv because Jay Monahan fell on the sword along with the board who also won't be answering a lot of questions out there. They'll just accept his, uh, his medical uh, situation for what it is and say he's just he's taking a leave of absence. Um, am, I, am I wrong for just automatically thinking that this is the cop-out excuse as to why he will leave the PGA Tour instead of either resigning or being asked to step down? After what everything that took place, the players want him gone. They, a lot of the players are calling for his resignation last week. You are not wrong. I don't wish physical problems, obviously, on on anyone. But man, this is convenient timing. If you were ever going to have a medical problem or medical condition arise, this is really convenient timing for Jay Monahan to have that happen. Now, again, I, I echo what Hutton said. If there's something truly wrong. We're all obviously wishing him the best and don't want that at all, but it does have an Urban Meyer-type feel to it of this seems like really good timing to try to plan the next step, whatever that may be. Now, we've also heard from guests on this show that know the alliance or whatever they're calling it now, that know it pretty well, that believe that he has insulated himself really well in the writing of this contract that he can't be ousted, even if everybody wants him ousted. And I'm talking about Monaghan. And I'm sure there's some sort of financial package uh, with the private investment fund that's going to make him financially secure for the rest of his life. And probably his entire family will be financially secure for the rest of their life. So add all that up, maybe it's real, but it does feel convenient that this is happening right now with him, given the national discourse with Jay Monaghan and PGA. And, and not just from a moral standpoint, it's from the hypocritical oh, yeah. place of everything he said a year ago versus what he's done the last seven weeks, which is negotiate with a group that he has described as evil. Uh, speaking of flag day, he's waving the flag in response to uh, those that were staying with the PGA Tour. Yeah. You know, preaching loyalty and respect and, and honor versus taking blood money. He's waving the Saudi flag today. Yeah, well, he did last week too uh, in a, a joint interview on CNBC. Uh, with with the live leaders, uh, the, the Saudi-backed live tour. Look, um, I don't blame the players for taking the money. I don't, uh, if they're in dire straits and they saw the writing on the wall, I don't blame the PGA Tour for what they did. Um, I just look at the way they handled this over the last 12 months and think, how, how can you do an about-face based on what you were pointing to and what you were thumping? Uh, that, that 
that to me is where everything comes down to just absolute BS with Jay Monahan and the, the PR approach that they took versus preaching unity and unification of, of the two, now three golf leagues that were included in last week's report. And, and now we see if they, they have the framework of that deal done. We'll see if it actually gets done. Um, but after facing the criticism, admitting he understands why people are going to call him a hypocrite and hearing from John Rahm yesterday saying that, you know, the PGA Tour, uh, uh, paraphrasing, stabbed them in the back. Players feel like they were not just disrespected, but dishonored in many ways. Um, yeah, I, I think it's very convenient, but also uh, it puts him out of the spotlight and it puts the spotlight back on the game of golf, which will take place in tee-off starting tomorrow out in Los Angeles. I will also, this is another thing that crossed my mind late last night when thinking about this story. Um, we had George Savarikas on earlier this week. And I, I asked him, Los Angeles Country Club, you know, the, the scene set at the end of that chat with him. And they're in Beverly Hills. They're right on the mountain there. And you think about the, 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 the hills of Los Angeles and the backdrop and what took so long for the U.S. Open to, uh, to go there, to allow the, the, the Los Angeles Country Club to host. It was actually on the L.A. Country Club, not the other way around, because they want to keep things private. They don't want the big-time spotlight. They don't want people taking over and snooping around. I get it. But on the one year where they were like, yeah, well, you know what? Let's do this. Turns out the entire sporting world is zeroed in on the legality and just, I mean, the decency of what the PGA Tour is standing for based on what they were preaching over the last 12 months. And the guy that was doing it isn't present as the media descends on this tournament. I said it last week. If I were Jay Monahan, I would have gone to the podium or done this interview and, and in this address to everyone would have said, judge me 10 years from now on this. I did what I had to. I did what was right financially and for the future of the PGA Tour. And in doing that, I understand I cannot have the respect or trust of the PGA Tour board members or the players anymore. So I also tender my resignation at this point as part of the deal. He may not but be able know to. that I shepherded in something that's well, going to help them. You're right. They may have had a deal that he has to be there in the interim but, as they but, make this deal happen. But keep in mind, those on the PGA Tour's board of directors. Oh, they, they did it too. The, there were two or three others in the background of this negotiating this. They're, they are also complicit. They're also a part of the voting structure. So the, there are five votes. Um, you have Al Ramanian, who has two of the five votes. The PGA Tour was pushing that they have three of the five votes. They have voting power. But if you really think about it, Jay Monahan's going to vote the way that the Saudis want him to vote. So they have the voting power, too. And they are the sole investor now in the PGA Tour for the, the, the billions that they'll, they'll pump in to whatever's necessary in order to make this merger happen. Uh, they're in control. They bought the game of golf uh, effectively. And the, the voice, the figurehead in Jay Monahan is no longer present in order to answer and face the wrath of what's going on. In fact, I mean, the guys that are taking over, they likely found out the same time that Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods found out, Right. And now they're involved in all of this, too. They were already involved, but now they're answering questions for which uh, of things they can't answer. And it, that's the, the unfortunate part. And why, again, um, I'm sure he's facing a, a lot of stress and anxiety. And yeah, I'm, 
that would certainly come with the territory. But to announce this a week after the big announcement happened on June 6th and do it on the Wednesday prior to the teeing off for the U.S. Open, that, that bugs me a little bit. That immediately makes me raise an eyebrow. So Hutton Jay Monahan had a chance at an emotional farewell that he did not take. That's right. But Shannon Sharp took his. Yes, and uh, Shannon Sharp, who thanked everyone, the entire segment. I mean, he goes through every single person he can possibly think of that he came in contact with at FS1 and Fox Sports. Uh, but he ends by having a very emotional conversation with Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless, mm. you fought for me, bro. Did I? I'm here because of you. You've allowed me to share the stage with you. You've allowed me to share the platform. I'm going to cry in the car, but I'm not going to mm. cry now. The opportunity that you gave me to become what I became, I'm forever indebted to you. I'll never forget what you did for me. You've helped me grow more than you ever know. <sighs> okay, this is not easy for me either. But one more thing, one more thing to, before you yeah, go, Skip. Okay. One more thing. All I ask is when you lay your head on that pill at night, you know I gave you everything I had. You did. I gave you everything I had. Which is why I want to thank you for all you have given to me. When I first took this job back in June of 2016, we had a whole nother format in mind until it became clear Shannon Sharp is available. And I said, I believe he can do this. And did you ever? The critics just savaged us when we first started. Undisputed yep. will never last. FS1 will never last. Did we ever show them? Mm -hmm. I want to thank you for dedicating yourself to this job. It is a voracious beast yes. of a show. Day after day after day. You dedicated yourself to this job just the way you dedicated yourself to professional football yes. as a Hall of Famer. I want to thank you for never taking a sick day. I want to thank you for preparing as hard as you could every single day, every single topic. I want to thank you for competing as hard as you competed with me because the greatest compliment I can give you is you were a worthy adversary. Right. I, I want to thank you and tell you that I love you for what you have done for, for me. And I'm good, Shannon, I'm, I'm going to miss our diet do bets. <laughs> you, you, owe me, you owe me a lot. I do. I do. I'm going to miss our LeBron battles, even though he's still the phony goat. <laughs> I, I'm going to miss our cowboy arguments. How about them cowboys? Because you were right about my Dallas Cowboys from day one. Right. In the end, I just want you to know that it was because of you, you made possible a very, very special time in my career. And this is a happy, sad moment for me because I look forward to your next great achievement, and it is coming. Yep. But tonight, I just want you to know, I will toast you with a Diet Mountain Dew. Thank you. There's the uh, final send-off, the final segment. And for those viewing, you can see Shannon Sharp point. He's pointing at his family because he brought his family over at the very end of that segment. Um, what Shannon Sharp said about Skip Bayless is the same sentiment that Stephen A. Smith has for Skip Bayless. Stephen A. Smith, Chad, on his recent podcast, was he just kind of riffed on... Do I think I know why Shannon's leaving? Yes, I do. Am I going to tell you? Hell no. But I think I know. And do you think I'm now going to talk bad about Skip Bayless? Well, if you do, you're absolutely wrong, and here's why. Even to this day, Stephen A. is giving the praise to Skip Bayless 
So even if the departure is in large part due to Skip, Shannon Sharp is, I mean, he could now go to first take if he wants to with Stephen A., who said he would sign off on it if he wanted to join ESPN because of the opportunity that, that Skip signed off on. Uh, one cynical note before I get into you know the, the good parts about this. You never took a sick day. Well, he took a, an emotional day after the DeMar Hamlin deal and the tweet from Skip Bayless that led to a huge rift between the two yep. where he didn't show up to work the next day because he was angry at Skip Bayless about something he tweeted when all that went down with DeMar Hamlin. Uh, but I do think that this that was very genuine from both men. I, I think this illustrates that you cannot like someone, but you can respect them. And what I heard from Shannon Sharp was a ton of respect for Skip Bayless in wanting him to go work with him and working with him for seven years and arguing the way they did for seven years. There was a lot of mutual respect between both Bayless and Shannon Sharp. I also firmly believe when he's liking things, calling Skip Bayless a piece of bleep and other things like that, then he doesn't like him. You know, they, they, they don't get along. Maybe they did in the beginning. Maybe they didn't. Maybe it's always been that way. But you can still respect someone and not like them. That was my takeaway from that. I think the two guys respect each other. They respect their work ethic. They respect the work they did for the last seven years. Crazy that show's been around for seven years. I know. It doesn't feel like that. Seven years they've been a show on, on FS1. So what Skip Bayless said, you know, kudos to them. It's lasted as long as it has, that partnership. There's a respect there. I don't get a, the feeling of a lot of love lost as Shannon Sharp exits stage left. Brooke Tyler, can we cue up the video one more time? It's very early in the video. I did laugh at it watching. I laughed out loud uh, because it was it was genuine. It wasn't. This wasn't set up. I don't think it, it. It it was very innocent on Skip's part because Shannon pauses and Skip Bayless interrupts the farewell. I, I, I did find that funny, and I laughed out loud watching this yesterday because this is what. That the whole argument was about when Shannon Sharp returned from that uh, that one day off for a, a, an emotional day to argue with Skip. We'll, we'll cut it after uh, Shannon jumps back in, but I, I did find this humorous given the fact that all of this was a spat over letting Shannon Sharp finish Let his point. Finish. Skip Bayless, mm. you fought for me, bro. Did I? I'm here because of you. You've allowed me to share the stage with you. You've allowed me to share the platform. I'm going to cry in the car, but I'm not going to mm. cry now. The opportunity that you gave me to become what I became, I'm forever indebted to you. I'll never forget what you did for me. You've helped me grow more than you ever know. Big breath. <laughs> okay. This is not easy for me either. But one more thing, one more thing before you go. Okay. One more thing. All I ask. Oh, that's so good. That's a good spot to cut it right there. Oh, but Skip. Terrific. Jumpy dead. Hey, uh, Dan, one more thing. One more. Now, Dan now notice, how, notice uh, on the goodbye, though, yeah. that Skip Bayless allowed him to finish his thought. I thought that was very sweet on his part. As he's crying and he's wiping off his glasses, that's when Skip Bayless decided to not continue interrupting him, but instead he let him finish that one more thought. Well who's, done. Who's going to be next in that seat? And he and Skip alluded to prior to Shannon being in that seat, they they thought of a different format. I wonder what Clay would, what his take would be on who sits in Shannon's seat moving forward across from Skip Bayless. Clay Travis will join us coming up in about an hour. When we come back, though, Dan Dockich, host of Don't At Me here on the Outkick Network, 
The Nuggets are on top of the NBA, and they have the best player in the world. We discuss the Serbian, Jokic with Dokic, next. Hot Mike with Honey Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us, listening across uh, this great radio station or on our network online. You can join us, Outkick.com, YouTube as well. Just search out Outkick. Subscribe to the channel. Join us in the chat. Hit that like button. Smash it. Uh, you're going to uh, like our, our next guest, host of Don't At Me Mornings here, uh, right here on the channel, Dan Dockich. Dan, hope things are well this week. How are you? Ah, uh, great. Thanks. Yeah, everything's good. Serbians are crushing it. We got Djokovic winning the yep. French. We got a new coach with the Raptors. And of course, we got Joker getting it done. And, you know, I still have a job, which, you know, it's <laughs> almost two years. So that's rare. That but, makes yeah, the list. Good for us. That makes the list. Hey, let's, hey yeah. I mentioned this Monday. I, I believe uh, Davey Hudson had the, the number 0.1% of the world's population is in Serbia. And they have. Uh, some of the best athletes in the world. What do you account that to on a legitimate basis? Not just the fact that Dan no, Dockich uh, yeah. can, can also claim to be on the list. Yeah, no, I, I'll tell you what it is. And, and I've always said this. Um, I'm Serbian, uh, half Serbian. My dad, 100% parents came over. My mom was Polish. And there's a work ethic in the Serbian community. Serbians uh, work. I mean, they just do. And the Serbian population in the United States pretty much centered. Used to be South Chicago, Gary, where I'm from, uh, Steel Mills, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Detroit, Toronto, actually. San Diego, for some reason, I don't understand it. But if you found a steel mill, you basically found Serbians because when they came over on the boat uh, to Ellis Island, that's where they gravitated to. I had a grandfather who came over, and he walked, and I'm being literal here, he walked across all this crap to go work in a steel mill every day. And, you know, I obviously, and my father got a better life because of it. But uh, I'll tell you something else. And this is something that I have talked about when, when I've talked about foreign players. Very, very, very team-oriented uh, and very outgoing and, and willing and, and kind of um, secure. You know, it's odd. I, I brought a kid, Dusan Radakovich, over to my uh, Radinovich, geez, uh, to play for me. I, I'd never met him. I saw him work out in a film from Serbia. A friend of mine that, that scouted told me about him. I brought him over, barely spoke English, and he's eating dinner when he got here. I had him out to my house with my wife and my kids to get him acclimated. He stayed with us for a few days, and all he talked about was the streets not being bombed. There's a long-time war there. Milosevic and others were involved, and uh, he talked about it. You know, you can drive in the streets. There's not big craters. And when he went and he, he played in the workout center, you know, you would hear bombs dropping for years when he was a kid. So I think there's a respect for work. I think there's a respect for what you have here in America because they don't have that there. And I'm also going to tell you, you may not believe this may sound stupid, but Serbians are tall people. Seriously. I mean, my, I've never been to Serbia. Uh, my brother has, and he's like, Dan, two things about Serbia, the most beautiful women you'll ever see, and everybody's tall. Uh, it's, it's, you know, just the way it is. And um, I'm, I'm a proud Serb. I'm a proud Pole. I'm a proud Catholic, all that kind of stuff. 
But that's that. And we have really big faces. Like we have big faces and big heads. I'm telling you, if you went to my father's families, uh, like on Sunday, we'd have lamb. Lamb's a big deal in the Serbian community. Uh, you'd see some heads, some faces. I'm a size eight and, and I'm, you know, I got to sit at the kiddies table when it comes to head size. Man, so uh, Dad Dokic with us. Jokic, his ability to suppress emotion. I mentioned uh, the last couple of days with Chad, like if this dude were on the PGA Tour with Liv, he'd, he'd have 30 majors, but just based on his ability to suppress emotion. Uh, of, of your years in the game, um, how difficult does it come across a guy like that? The ability just, no matter what's going on, winning a title or losing a game, he's, he's just the same dude on any situation. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. We always kind of felt like if you put the work in, it's just like a test. If you put the work in, then you're not worried about the test. Now, you may not get an A, but you know you did your best. And I feel like that's what, that's what Jokic is. I feel like Jokic is a guy that when you look at him, and, and I'll be honest, people are saying, well, he was a 42nd pick in the draft. How could that be? I, I can see how that would be. I can see how people thought that, well, let's be honest, he doesn't look like he's in shape. He's got a funky shot. He doesn't jump. You know, and you got to really trust your scouts to let him be the leader of your team. And kudos to Denver for not only doing that. They saw it early, but they developed him and they put the right pieces around. Great players have that, guys. I mean, in basketball, you know, the interesting thing about Jokic was this is his first real, 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 let's be honest, yep. uh, top flight, big time, on the stage NBA event. Yeah, he was MVP. But, you know, that's going home and playing half your games. That's going on the road. I don't know if anybody in Indiana comes to watch Jokic play. Now they will. But this was his first time, and that's a fascinating thing to me. Isaiah Thomas, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, all these guys that were on the state, you know, they've been there. He'd never been there, and he didn't give a rat's whether – it seemed to me anyway, like it didn't matter whether it was the NBA Finals or he was playing in a club game – you know, as a 19-year-old in Serbia, it just seemed like he was the same, and that tells me that he was uber-prepared, uber-confident in himself, his teammates, and his coach. I always go back to this. I always go back. Brad Stevens, uh, the coach, when he was the coach at Butler, uh, we're pretty good friends at the time, and I'm like, hey, Brad, w- what happened here? He goes, you know, he goes, everything is easy and calm when everybody in the building is moving in the same direction, the entire team. Nobody's battling on the team. Nobody's battling the coaching staff. The coaching staff are all on the same page. And that's what it felt like with the Nuggets. And when you're the leader of that, it's comfortable, and I think it showed. And we all got introduced, I think. Well, not everyone, but most of us got introduced to these Nuggets during this playoff run and this championship. But this is not the last we're going to see of them, Dan. And you look at some of the contracts and how there's team control with that starting five, with the Nuggets, with that nucleus they have in place, could this be the next Warriors where we have multiple championships with this Denver Nuggets team? Yeah, yeah. Why, why not, right? Everybody's getting older. LeBron and his crew's getting older. Not Warriors, you don't know whether Draymond's going to be back or, or whether he's going to be gone. You know, people have said, well, they had the easiest road, and maybe they did, but you can only play – who you can play, and they played who was in front of them. You know, they did have to be Chris Paul and Kevin Durant, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it could be. I think that when you look at Jamal Murray, I, I, I think I said this on the show last week, Jamal Murray made a couple plays about three years ago 
in the playoffs, I think he dropped 50, that I went, wow. Like, I knew who Jamal Murray was, obviously, but I didn't really know until I was watching him do a 360 layup and hit every shot. Jamal Murray's a superstar. I mean, Jamal Murray, to me, uh, if you're going to say, all right, who do you want as a second player to Jokic? I don't know, man. I, I don't want Durant. I don't want anybody but Jamal Murray. He, he's, he's that good. He makes all his shots. He's uber confident. And then they went out. Here's, here's the thing. So they go out and they get two guys. They go out and get Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon. They draft Porter Jr. and they get Aaron Gordon. I've never seen this in all my years watching and studying basketball at the highest level of the NBA. I'm not talking about the worst team playing the best team or when they were going through the process. I'm talking about the two best teams. I have never seen one team play above the other team like what the Nuggets did to the Heat. They played above them. They were dominant up here. They rebounded over them. 50-50 ball was going to go to the Nuggets because they were just bigger. I've never seen that. And then when you look at the two guys, Gordon and Michael Porter Jr., not only are they both 6'9", 6'10", but they bring the ball down the court. They shoot pull-up threes. They spot up. I mean, it's a really well-put-together operation that I personally hope stays together because I don't know about you guys, but it's kind of fun not having to turn on the TV and hearing about LeBron every day or hearing about Le- uh, Kyrie Irving every day or hearing about Durant every day or whatever. It's nice to see some new blood and some new blood that was damn good. Speaking of turning on the TV every day, uh, you've been going after Kendrick Perkins a lot on Twitter, I noticed. What was the dumbest thing that he said from a basketball perspective during these playoffs or during these finals about what was going on in these games? Well, what I saw, one of the things I saw him say was, you know, the Nuggets have never seen anything like this in the heat. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's stupid because let's be honest, the NBA, you play 82 games. This is not like these are all rookies. These guys have seen everything. So explain to me exactly what the Miami Heat are going to bring that they hadn't seen. What, they're going to play defense? What, they're going to run what kind of what? No. Uh, I, I, I heard that and I thought to myself, that's just a guy making stuff up. You know what I mean? That, that's just somebody doesn't know what to say, doesn't know what he's seeing. So, okay, somebody asked him, well, the intensity and the, the culture of the heat. No, 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 no. No, let me, let me explain something to you. When you get to the Final Four or you get to the Elite Eight or you get to the NCAA, excuse me, you get to the NBA Final, those teams are tough. I don't care who you play. Their, their culture of that particular year is such that it is really good. I heard Perkins say that and I thought – you know what? That's just a guy. I'd rather him say this. I'd rather him say, you know, uh, Jokic can't go to his left. And if you force him to his left, he's a passer. If you force him to his right, he's a shooter. Something where he's actually got some insight instead of just some nonsense. And when I, man, I saw that and I'm like, well, that's just stupid. I'm not listening to him anymore. So Dan, speaking of just making stuff up, I've read the athletic article with baby Gronk's dad and the interview and everything he's done since birth to groom baby Gronk to be some Instagram sensation and influencer in an effort to make over a million dollars for his son before he goes to college. I believe this guy should be reported to child services. Uh, I read it and was disgusted the, the whole way through. What do you make of baby Gronk's dad? I think it's sad. A guy's clout chasing. You know, I, I said the other day, look, uh, I, I, let the kid – 
you know, I look in your kid's eyes, and he's not, he's not what the dad's trying to make it out. He's only 10 years old. How about we let him go play basketball? How about we let him go play football? How about we, we let him be a kid? We know how this ends. I mean, seriously, we know how this ends. And unless he develops into some six foot nine, 240 pound high school kid like LeBron James was, we know how this ends. It doesn't necessarily have to end like Todd Marinovich, but it doesn't end well. I got a thing here in Indiana. So at Indiana basketball, I criticize the players for being on social media, and I'm done criticizing. All I'm going to say is, look, you guys want to make TikTok videos? We know how it ends. You come in third or fourth in the league, you lose in the second round. We know how this ends. This kid's, this kid's got his thing going on. I hope it doesn't ruin the kid. He seems like a nice kid. He seems like he loves his dad. Good for his dad for being a dad. But, you know, speaking, and I'm speaking as a, as a parent of a kid who got the chance to play Division I basketball, just go out and be a freaking kid, for the love of God. I think it's crap. I, I don't know if the dad should be arrested, but I do think that he's putting his son, who seems like a nice kid, He's putting his son in a position to do nothing, and I mean nothing but fail. Nothing but fail. We know how it ends. We just do. He's got a million dollars, though. I would, I would suspect that all this uh, publicity, like or dislike the guy, he's getting the million. Well, he says he so, hopes he, he has a million by the time he's in high school. That if he can go to, co- he, if right. he can go to college with a million dollars, then that's better than most people starting out I, in see, college. I, I think this turns into he's going to end up like, going and being a part of different different things that uh, current NFL, NBA, and MLB players are a See, part I, of. See, I hear the dad talk, Dan, and I think he's going to take the million dollars. That's my fear. <laughs> that he's going to use his son to make a million hear- dollars, and he's going to use it to pay off debts that he's incurred over the years doing something, you know, trying to brown-nose pro athletes at the gym he works out in that he brags about. 75% of lottery winners go broke. Maybe more than that. I'll take my chances. I always use that. You know, people, I would too, but (laughs) you're pretty smart and you're a little bit older and you're not trying to chase nothing. You're just, you know, you're a bright guy. I mean, some dude that's trying to chase stuff that's brown. Hey, look. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying I I like the guy, but I mean, he, I, I mean, I can totally see this kid doing a commercial with Gronkowski. I can too. I, look, Gronkowski will endorse a grapefruit, and he probably hasn't had a grapefruit in 115 years. So, I mean, I'm not yeah. – I'm not. hey, look, in the modern era of where we're living, I'm not surprised at nothing. You know, now everybody's upset because somebody wrote an article uh, saying that the two Cavender twins are making a lot of money because they take their clothes off and they're hot, and that's a problem for the NCAA – Look, that ain't a problem for the NCAA. That ain't a problem at all. That's the way the world works, man. My wife said it first. I want to give my wife, who coached for a million years credit, when NIL started, and I'm thinking, man, what's quarterback at Alabama? What's this guy worth? What's that guy worth? She goes, I'm going to tell you who's worth. The people that are going to make the money across the board are the hot gymnast, the hot volleyball player, the hot softball player doing photos. She goes, you watch. The biggest stars will be girls that are athletes and good athletes Dressing like they do on Instagram or Twitter, taking their clothes off in a bikini. In a, and she was right. She was, and I don't think it's a problem. Hey, look, do what you got to do. But she wasn't wrong about that. Dan Dockich, not wrong. Don't add him. Don't, don't add him or don't add me. Uh, mornings here on the, uh, the Outkick Network. Dan, uh, have a great week, rest of the week, and uh, we'll catch you up soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, See you guys. It, man. Uh, Dan Dockich, don't at me. Uh, morning starting at 9 a.m. Eastern. 
Uh, always a, a solid show, and uh, he'll be back on uh, tomorrow morning. Chad, when we come back, primary complaint is just around the corner. Every Wednesday, we air our top grievance of the week. You said to start the show, you're pissed off for greatness. I am, and I'm going to be more pissed off for greatness in the next segment. That's next on Hot Mike. Coming up, we discuss uh, a big-time college football program with the head coach who is on the hot seat. It's such a, a, a short tenure. Well, it's coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Clay Travis will join us in roughly 30 minutes from now here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. But at this time, each and every Wednesday, it is time for Primary Complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Hot Mike's Primary Complaint. My primary complaint this week, guys, uh, seat leeches at concerts or games. The seat leech who is in your seat, your paid seat, as you arrive uh, for mainly the, the main attraction. And they've been there and they're sitting next to some friends. Uh, Chad, uh, attended uh, a show recently with good friend uh, Craig Nance. And as we arrived, Seat Leach is there. And they know they've been caught. And I ended up questioning whether or not I'm in the right spot. But I know I'm in the right spot. And the deer in the headlights look. Don't waste time. Just mosey on over. And if there were room, if there was room there, uh, we would have made room. But there's no room. And you're in the paid seat that's actually a very great seat. Otherwise, you know, we tried to be a Seat Leach too. But when you're caught, just admit it and get out of there. That's my primary complaint. No need to delay the inevitable. Just get up and walk walk away like an adult the moment you've been caught. I'm with you on that. My primary complaint, this goes back to something we've long talked about on this show, Hutton and I. It's a phenomenon called grocery feet Mm -hmm. was the beginning of this. For those that are unaware, maybe you grew up in a city where this doesn't happen. (laughs) For those of us that grew up in a rural area, this could be in the South, the Midwest, Northwest, wherever you grew up. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about grocery feet. If you didn't know the exact phrase, you will know it now because it's essentially, for lack of a better term, where redneck children will walk around a grocery store, department store, Walmart, convenience store, something like that. They'll be barefoot. And what happens is a condition known as grocery feet where if you look at the bottom of their feet and you see their heel, it's black as night from the dirt and the grime on the floor of the hard, old, convenience store, grocery store, oftentimes in the South, that's what happens to their feet. My primary complaint this week is a condition I refer to as ballpark ankle. (laughs) And I'm going to show it to you right now for visual (laughs) evidence. I am a coach, pitch, softball, (laughs) head coach, and pitcher. And when I am on the dirt, this was after four games in one day. I am going deep into the coal mines to pitch to these seven- and eight-year-old girls because you come off that field in that dirt, and the dirt gets so caked onto your legs and the bottom of your ankle. I swear to you, I shower and scrub for 20 minutes, and I don't get all the dirt off my ankle. Grocery feet, a problem in rural America. And for the travel softball and baseball moms and dads out there, another problem 
is what I will now refer to as ballpark ankle. It's an awful condition, and it's my primary complaint. Guys, I'm probably going to get a little bit of backlash on this one, but my primary complaint this week is watching movies with women. I'm just going to go out there and say it. And maybe it's just the women in my life. I'm glad that but, happened for you. Yeah. Well, you, you and your sister? <laughs> it, it's, 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 fam- it's the families, significant others. Whenever Don't I'm watching the, the movie. Don't put this on the app, Davey. This I, is not going to help I, you. I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm saying it. I've already started. I can't, I can't back out now. Like, they will start asking questions about the movie as if I have seen the movie before and uh, I know what's going to happen. It gets to the point. It's like if you desperately want to know, you could go look it up on Wikipedia. But the other option is you just actually watch the movie and they typically tell you what happens. You can figure that out <laughs> if you just give it time. Patience is key here. So with that being said, like, don't ask me questions. That I, I mean, again, maybe they just think I'm incredibly smart and able to see what's going to happen down the line. But I'd rather just enjoy the movie like a normal person. On that note, I also think just going to the theater by yourself is much better than going with people. I would, I, I, again, I could be in the minority here, just personal opinion. Um, it, it's also, I've, well, I've already gone down this well, road. I'll just, I'll just go you ahead. You prefer to go to movies by yourself. I know people that are okay going to movies by themselves. You would prefer solo as opposed yeah. to with other people. I ripped Mike I Gundy for not wanting a, a, a collective. He, did, he doesn't like collectives because he yeah. doesn't have one. Um, I, are you saying you, you even if you had see, a date, you would prefer to go I, I solo? I want you to put all this on okay. your dating app profiles Again, to see how it works. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> criticizing you. I just yeah. think if you had the option, you would go on the date. You absolutely would. Or with buddies. I'll tell you a story from back in a couple of years ago. I, I was still in law school at the time, and I, I'd been seeing this girl, and I wanted to show her a show that I loved. And we're maybe 10 minutes into the show, and she starts trying to make out. And I'm like, no, they'll just watch the show. I'm like, the, night, the night's young. Like, all right, we'll, wow. we'll have time for that. Fortunately, though, like, I, I still had a good view of the TV. plot points here. Yeah. <laughs> she was kind of a 304. It's all good. Wow. I mean, I mean clearly, based on. Uh, I man. want all this to go on the dating the, the, profile. How, yeah. many, how long did the movie? That was a TV show. We're like 10 minutes into Stranger Things. I love, oh. I love Stranger Things, so that's part uh, of the problem. I feel like I can take this one since I know women so well. And I can explain why women do this. Women don't like to be surprised. They like to have a plan. They're planners. So when they're watching something, they don't want to be shocked or turned off by something that's going to happen on the screen. This even happens with my eight-year-old daughter who will ask things like, is is someone going to die in this? Is this old person going to die at some point? What's going to happen next? My response, what Davey I'm sure says too, is why don't we all find out together? Let's watch and find out. But I think it's more of a, you, they don't want to be surprised than it is that they want to annoy you. But it is pretty annoying. I will agree with Davey on that one point. And Davey, please put all of this info on your dating profile so we can see your success rate. When you put, w- prefers to go to movies solo and hates watching anything with women. Don't make out with me during Stranger Things. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good life lesson. See, I, I, Honey, I, I didn't start the Mandalorian, I so you could start kissing more, my it's, neck. It's much. It's more likely to happen at home watching a television show or something on the streaming service than at the theater. I don't. I haven't been to the theater often over the last in a long time. Uh, but in the two or three times I've been, I don't recall a lot of conversation because there's not a, there's not yeah, much of a crowd anyway. It's that's not a big issue. Like it, it, the issues, like you go to a kids Even movie, and there's a the kid kicking there. your kicking your seat. I, it's I just have an issue than people talking. Yeah. I, I would just say though, the movie experience post COVID is just night and day compared to what it was before. At least for the films I've gone to see, but I, I've tried not to go on premiere nights just when I know it's going to be busy. Mm-hmm. Kind of like give the movie a week or two to where I think the crowd's going to have died down and I've got more room. But also, a lot of the theaters now they've just added the like 
IMAX experience with the reclining seats and it, that's that's yeah. a better overall uh, the, experience. The reporter who was stiff arm giving the Heisman on the post game wrap up. Yep, that's Davey on a date watching Stranger Things while the girls trying to come on to him. That's Heisman, right. Stiff arm, pie to the face. That's Davey. And sometimes women to show like to be told no for the first time. <laughs> Davey's your guy for that. <laughs> Coming up uh, is the Notre Dame head coach. Is Marcus Freeman on the hot seat? Really? That's next. 